Welcome to the Final Girls podcast, where we're not quite sure whether we're a sad girl film or a teen horror film. I'm Anna Bogutska, co-founder of the Final Girls Collective and your podcast host. If you're new to the show, welcome. We're finalizing our fourth series all about teen horror currently. We've only got a couple episodes to go and we've been exploring since September last year everything that makes up teen horror, really expanding the definition of the genre and exploring why teenagers and especially teenage girls make for some of the most compelling protagonists of the genre. In today's episode, we've got a new guest in acclaimed screenwriter Gemma Hurley joining me to discuss the 2017 Paco Plata film, Veronica, which is kind of a teen horror because it is about a teenage girl and is also a possession horror because it's about a teenage girl being possessed by a demon. A quick reminder, if you are new to the show, uh, we spoil everything pretty much from the very beginning. So keep that in mind. If you haven't seen Veronica yet, uh, I do recommend it. It's available on Netflix in the UK. Uh, So do check it out. It's a fantastic little scary film. And a quick reminder as well, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Final Ghost UK. And if you can spare a few seconds to leave us a positive review on Apple or Spotify podcasts, really appreciate that and it really helps people discover the show. We also have a Patreon at patreon.com forward slash The Final Girls where we're publishing in-depth reviews of new films. The most recent one has been Alex Garland's Men. Uh, and we've got a couple of new episodes banked as well for the Patreon. So if you want to support us, then do go there. And with all of that said, please enjoy our take on Veronica. Watched it like 10 times. It's so <laughs> silly. Um, and that really kind of got me into the sort of horror can be fun, mm-hmm. I guess. And then, um, you know, later on, I like really, st- I loved like, again, like Cabin in the Woods, because it has this kind of like uh, pastiche and this this humor to horror, which I really like. Um, in terms of uh, more recently, my te- like my favorite teen horrors are probably things like It Follows, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and Veronica, when I first saw, which we're going to get mm-hmm. talked to in a minute, um, when I first saw that, I thought it was the, like the scariest freaking movie I'd seen in my life. I had to keep like pressing pause, like press the space bar every time like that cupboard opened. I was like, no. Oh my God. <laughs> um, well, so yeah. That's but, a perfect yeah. segue to get to talk about Veronica then. It is, it is. But the, I mean, the thing that I find is, and I, you know, we'll, I'm sure we'll get into this um, in a bit, but the thing about is Veronica teen horror? Mm-hmm. Is Veronica possession horror? Is it supernatural? I didn't, I don't really see it as a teen horror. Cause when I think of, when you say teen horror to me, I think people running around with knives and bare breasts and gore, you know, that's, you know, lots of Americans mm-hmm. shrieking. <laughs> yeah. Like the, the slasher format. I've, exactly. I've, yeah. I found it really interesting when I was putting this together and I've kind of said it numerous times over the, the course of the season, they've sort of stretched wide the definition of teen teen horror because i also always thought about it that way like it's Mm. just this particular moment in you know it's the classic flashers and then it's the slasher revivals Mm. and it's you know naked 27 year olds posing as teenagers running around (laughs) being stabbed 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 
And then I thought of Veronica, where I'm like, that's actually a like a character study of a teenage girl that also gets possessed. So it's a really scary horror movie that's all about a teenage girl. I'm like, how is that not teen horror? This is true. And there, I mean, you could argue that it's still, I mean, like all of those slasher teen horror movies tend to have some kind of moralism to it. Yeah. I don't think Veronica has moralism, but it's definitely got this sort of um, coming of age. I mean, like she gets her periods like mm-hmm. during the, like does the demon give her her period? There's this sort of blood um, to do with sexuality that, or, um, you know, turning into an adult that definitely mm-hmm. comes into it. So, you know, you could argue it's, I've always put this more in my head as like, you know, this is like a supernatural possession movie mm-hmm. and a tragedy more than anything um, that kind of also happens to be a teen horror. For sure. So let's um, dig into that throughout the throughout this episode. Before we kind of start really uh, talking about Veronica, can you summarize the plot of the movie for me very briefly? Okay, here we go. Mm-hmm. So Veronica is allegedly based on a true story that happened in Spain in around, I think it's 1991. Mm-hmm. Uh, very famous in Spain because it's one of the few recordings of um, a police report which actually contains evidence or, you know, observations of actual paranormal activity, um, which freaked freaked the hell out of me so the idea is it's about this girl called veronica um things have been changed from the real life story um mm-hmm. who essentially she's a teenager um her mum works during the night she's a waitress and veronica is left to look after her uh younger siblings because her father died um, not too long ago and she's just got the weight of the world on her shoulders full of responsibility desperate to just live a teenage life um things take a turn when Veronica and her friends um, decide to do a seance during a eclipse. Um, Veronica's trying to contact her dead father, um, but things go horribly wrong in the seance. Um, and she brings something dark home with her that begins to haunt her. Um, I don't know how spoilery we need to get um, in terms of what happens, but it, it it doesn't it doesn't turn out very well for her. So let's dig into all of that. Um, you mentioned it a little bit earlier, and I wanted you to. I'd love for you to expand on that. Kind of, you mentioned that the first time you watched it, you got super scared. Mm. So, what about the film really scared you on first watch? And did that change when you were watching it for this episode? Absolutely. So when I first saw this, the movie, I heard about this because it came out on Netflix, I think it was 2017. Um, and I'd heard all the stories like, oh, this is the scariest film ever made. And, you know, all that kind of marketing um, bump, which is always quite fun. And I had just uh, quit my job and had moved, in, moved into a really spooky house in the north of England. Um, you know, I was start trying to be a writer full time and, um, we lived in this, uh, like four story house, um, that was really cheap in Sheffield or something. And it used to be a GP surgery. And the way the, the house was designed was that you were always, uh, like the stairway was in the middle of the house. So you were always going round a corner mm-hmm. and you never really knew what was on the other side of the corner. So like, you know, you just kind of went in this spiral up the center of the house um and in that time in the the beast of the east the cold coldest um winter in the uk for a very long time i decided to watch this film Mm -hmm. and um 
I just had to keep pressing spacebar. I was just like, it was the, the thing that really freaked me out personally was because she was just so alone and so like no one is there for her. She's mm-hmm. got the weight of the world on her shoulders. And those moments in the film, like for instance, when she's just in bed in the middle of the night and then mm-hmm. her her uh, wardrobe just creaks open. You're like, Jesus Christ. Or like, you know, something's uh, reflected in the dark TV screen. Like it just, I just couldn't handle it. It just made me feel like I was a kid again, just scared of like the shadows of my room and like mm-hmm. no adult was gonna come and help me like in the way that no one came to help Veronica. Um, but then when I rewatched it, when we were like, Anna's, Anna, you're like, um, oh, let's, let's chat about Veronica. And I had to rewatch it a couple of nights ago. And I was like, why did this film scare me so much? Because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just kind of watching. Maybe it's because I, I no longer, I knew what was going to happen. So I had less of that suspense. Mm-hmm. Um, but for some reason, it just didn't, it didn't hit for me in the same way I was just I just saw it more as a tragedy this time around rather than a horror film I was gonna ask you like I think it's so I had a very similar experience so mm. I watched it at uh LFF when mm. it screened there and I'm I'm a very big fan of Paco Plaza in general so we'll talk about him in a minute but mm. I kind of I wanted to see I always want to see whatever it is that he's doing next so I was excited about this and it was really scary but when I rewatched it today for the purposes of this, I was like, this is really sad. Yeah. I didn't remember just how many scenes of Veronica being by herself kind of and being the mum essentially for mm. her uh, for her baby siblings and her dealing with her mother, with her school, with the demon, with her siblings, like everything was on her. And there was so little space and time for her. And the only moments is when, like you mentioned, she's alone kind of in her bed at night looking up at mm-hmm. the ceiling. And there's something really tragic about a teenager or a kid kind of not being able to sleep. Mm-hmm. I like It seems a little bit um, perhaps pretentious, but the like a children's bed or their bedroom, especially teenage girls, right? It's like their world. And she feels so isolated and completely unprotected in her own house especially when like this demon stuff starts happening Mm. that i'm like wow that is just completely devastating that this girl is constantly on for everyone else and has not a single space not even her bed not even her room where she feels like she's protected and safe yeah that's such a good observation and um it it does sort of because she, she is a child and an adult. That's the weird thing. She's, I think she's 15. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's this whole thing made out, out about her is that she um, hasn't had her period yet. For, mm-hmm. that, that's like a thing that is one of the questions I think the nuns ask her. Um, so, yes, yeah, and she has these sort of like childish, um, like glow-in-the-dark stars on her mm-hmm. ceiling that she just stares at while she goes to sleep, doesn't she? Like listening, like her whole, she protects her world by listening in on the headphones all the time, isn't she? That's when mm-hmm. she, the only time she has for herself. Um, yeah, and, and as you say, like it, it just does, it did just feel so tragic. Um, I mean, I, I would have loved to watch this in the cinema. Like you, <laughs> that must have been great. It was great. It was really good. And I, and I kind of, you know, while we're talking about this sort of tragedy of Veronica as well, what do we what do you think of her as a character? 
Yeah, like how she's presented to us and kind of how I I'd like in a way it's it's also kind of in the title. The film is all about her. You know, it starts mm-hmm. and it finishes when her story finishes. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you sort of take away the the based on real events thing, mm-hmm. it is kind of like a tra- a tragic character story, isn't it? Yeah. So this is a this is kind of an interesting one because you're kind of I thought quite artfully given um, the amount the small amount of exposition you need uh, without it being shoved down your throat to like get a sense of like who she was before this film started um you know i'm i'm ne- I was never quite sure like how her dad died or how long ago mm-hmm. he died or anything like that but what my impression of veronica um is that you know she even though she um is obviously quite resentful of her mother because they have that wonderful conversation about halfway through the film where she, you know she tells her mother she's tired of being alone and um you know having to take care of the the kids all the time like her siblings but she's so like she she's she just does it she just cracks on you know she's always she puts them to bed she makes them dinner she's like just she's just essentially their mom at, at such a young age and um you can just see her just like desperately you know like trying to also live a teenage life um you know like when her friends um you know had that party and she's you know but she's I think um, this is the thing in this movie. Like usually, like there's a reason a, a character um, deserves to be punished mm-hmm. or by a demon or anything like that. But because it's a possession film, it does beg the question: like, why did it? Um, why did it target her? And what is it about her that um, that kind of let the demon in? Mm-hmm. Um, and I did wonder. I mean, there is a way to read this if you, if you, you know, forgetting the fact that it's based on a true story where, like, a an officer saw um, paranormal activity. Mm-hmm. Um, there isn't. I, I, you could take this film and reading it like she's actually um, developing some kind of epilepsy or some kind of neurological issue, and none mm-hmm. of this is actually real, mm-hmm. um, based on the pressure that she has found herself in, in this really tragic situation of having to like look after, um, be mom too mm-hmm. young. Um, and I guess we'll get into the ending and, and like what, why she um, eventually succumbs to the demon and what that says about her. Um, but yeah, I just thought generally to cut a long story short, she's just a very sympathetic um, character. There is there's something really interesting that you bring up, like why did it target her, right? Mm. And and the, you, there's so many. This is also the thing that I got from the rewatch, right? It's like, oh, there's so many ways to read this film outside of just a simple, straightforward, you know, like exorcist light type possession story, um, because she does sort of invite the demon in through the Ouija board, mm. but it's also whether you choose to read it as supernatural or just like a a, a break of some kind. The, everything that we just talked about how sad and and alone and isolated Veronica is kind of leaves her very vulnerable mm. to both any sort of you know um emotional breakdown or if you if you see it as just purely on the nose supernatural like a possession because she's just much more vulnerable than her friends mm. and because she has no recourse uh and I do, I do love the ending. I want to talk about the ending because you could argue like if she, 
did she invite the demon in or did she like allow him in because she needs uh it's a way of also like having some attention for herself Ooh, that's an interesting thought because um, everybody relies on her but nobody's actually helping her so if she's now put in this position where she's the victim of the vi- of the demon then somebody has to like she genuinely she now needs to be forced to ask for help and still people don't help her well yeah well that's the thing because she kind of hides it from her mom mm-hmm. for quite a while so like it, i i i see what you're saying there so there was an element where um i think if she'd acted in a different way there could be a interpretation that like always oh, this for attention you know mm-hmm. because she's just no one is giving her any support or attention but that wasn't my reading on it like mm-hmm. especially because it was more she you know obviously everything is broken in her life because of her dad's absence and the reason she does the Ouija board is to speak to him mm-hmm. and that and that was one of the horrible things that's one of the first um demon reveals isn't it it comes it comes to her in her dream in the shape of her father like mm-hmm. naked in her room yeah. which is like one of the other space bar press pause <laughs> moments i had when i first watched this um i think it was a kind of longing it, I, th- I really do i think i took it quite literally it came from a longing to have a connection of when times were um happier and easier for her and mm-hmm. and why why her i think she is you as you said she's definitely vulnerable i wonder if she's probably a little bit more um emotionally immature compared to her friends as well or for a 15 year old like yes she has all the responsibility Mm -hmm. but there isn't there's a childishness to her um, and maybe that's you know obviously emphasized because she hasn't had her period yet um where yeah i mean demons they prey on they prey on that that kind girls going through that that um period of their lives literally Mm -hmm. don't they there's a trope yeah and also it's really interesting because like as as mature as she is taking care of so much of the house Mm. and her and her siblings and her mom she doesn't actually know how to be a teenager Mm. yeah she went the teenage stuff she behaves like that party it's just like Mm. you're you're like a um, hysterical little girl almost, rather than like you know knowing how to be around um be around guys or be being being that kind of scene and interesting talking about guys for a second mm-hmm. sorry to have a transgression no go um, for it. transgression um there are no men in this film you're very right oh my god i hadn't thought about it there are no men in this film there aside no, from the demon from the demon yeah. and the police officer who yeah at the end wraps everything up at, yeah it's this kind of neat bow well and the little brother antonito that's true that's true that we have little little Antonito, but there's no male figures mm-hmm. of um, that she can turn to, like, um, and it's the women. So so by by um, default, it's the women in her life who let her down over and over and over again. Oh my god, you're very right. And it's also I, I think the other thing that having now watched what feels like hundreds uh, teen horror films in quick succession. There is there is this thing that has always appeared uh, in these movies is that the adults are never there or the adults mm-hmm. are always disappointing or the adults are just not someone you can ask for help. 
And and the same thing happens here, right? Even in her school with the nuns, she does ask the creepy nuns for help. Mm. Um, but they're so framed almost like, especially the blind nun, so framed almost like a supernatural being herself or like a medium type figure. Mm. But the adults in Veronica's life are nowhere to be found and no mm. and not dependable at all. There's no like institution, like the police, her school, her family that will help her. Yeah, I mean, and I think you, I mean, you sort of brought this up earlier, but there was that um, about like, I can't remember how you phrased it, but there was a line that she says to her mum that really um, kind of summed that up for me. I think she like, doesn't she accuse her mum at one point of saying like, it doesn't come when you're home? Yeah, like she begs her mom to like, like, like in the in the sort of childish mm-hmm. way that we've been talking about. Like, she's just desperate for a parental figure that never materializes. I read, I read um, I can't remember what review it was. It might have been the Enemy article um about this film, but it describes her mom in this. It was such a good phrase. It was like benign neglect. Oh my god! <laughs> as, as a parent, I was like, that's great. I'm gonna steal that for something. Um, but yeah, it really does feel like just like I'm just a, a kid just desperate for for a parent to come and like turn on the lights and make everything okay and mm. they don't come um, like her mom is not oh, that's that's very that's a very good turn of phrase because her mom is not bad she's not evil or you know um abusive in any kind she's just not there herself yeah. yeah and she's just working all the time mm. um but i did want to ask as well and you kind of brought them up a little bit what do you make of the the other teenagers oh yeah what are their names rosa and someone um i'm gonna double check <laughs> it's like is it Luc- rosa and diana diana maybe? that's the one yeah yeah what do i think about um her friends yeah so she she doesn't have many friends it seems like it feels like uh, rosa her best friend is the, literally the only person in her life mm. um seemingly and um but rosa seems to be growing up and moving pulling away um was my interpretation from from her which is why i think she's more interested in hanging out with her new friend popular dangerous friend diana um which is <laughs> you know that was kind of my interpretation i mean they she just let her down like and i mm-hmm. i i like especially when we get that reveal at the party later on like the sort of mm-hmm you know, in the structure of the film, the sort of all is lost moment where, you know, she goes desperate for help. Like, you know, let, we need to close the seance that, you know, creepy nuns told me we need to fix what we broke. We need to put everything right. Um, And she's in this kind of hysterical childish state at this party where everyone's, you know, cool. And, you know, her Diana is making out with some bloke and she literally like wrenches her off her, doesn't she? Mm -hmm. Um, but then we have that horrible, sad reveal where like her friend Rosa says like the reason, um, you know, when, you know, when Veronica has that uh, seance and she's like, she goes catatonic on the floor and she whispers something we don't hear originally. And Diane, um, Rosa reveals to us that she said, oh, you're gonna, you told me that you were going to die today. Like, um, mm-hmm. and I don't know if, if there's was one argument where like sure like rosa's also a, a teenager and she's scared and she's probably just withdrawing because she's frightened but then there's on the other hand that i kind of saw this as it's like you're just like the shittest friend in the world <laughs> like your friends you're you, you know 
you haven't done anything to to support your friend you've literally just isolated her after she's said she's going to die or like you know mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah that she was gonna die in five days yeah so like, oh, i'll cut you out then like yeah. <laughs> it's really horrible and like we sort of circled around this earlier but i do wonder like how do you think this sits um between a possession film and and a teen and a teen film yeah, so for me, this is more of a a possession film um, than a, a like you know the classic teen slasher uh, trope or anything like that. I, I really did see this as more quite an internal in terms of its tone and genre. Like I I viewed this as oh, it's like a supernatural possession story with the tropes of um, young teenage female being um, vulnerable and possessed by a dark demonic force that seeks to you know whatever the demon wants from her whether it's to just steal her soul or just you know make her life a living hell um is definitely saw it more in the sort of possession spectrum Hmm. and okay so we've talked sort of round about the demon and the possession and stuff like that but what do you think of the actual like possession and the demon of it all because he weirdly uh, first of all materializes like with the almost human figure mm. and, and like very visible but then also the actual acts of possession feel quite different from what i at least expect from possession films in a way why don't you uh tell me tell me more about that what do you mean by that well, like, obviously, the, the granddaddy of possession films is obviously The Exorcist, but mm. there is something, like, really bodily that I expect. Like, I expect the demon to actually be inside the body and kind of this, uh, usually it's women or especially girls who, you know, they're throwing, someone else really wants to fix them and sort of their bodies just being kind of ripped apart from the inside out and um, they're thrashing around their face changers their appearance changes they become sort of super strong creepy but everything is really confined to one space right they're kind of immobilized by the possession mm-hmm. um whether it's here veronica she she does get physically attacked by the demon but she's still she's literally still doing her to-do list she's literally <laughs> still taking care of everyone and also trying to figure out her own possession and the demon is attacking her baby sister and brother right so she's also trying to protect them um while it's all happening and she sees it um physically in the corridor and in her house so i did find it really interesting because she was still like up and around and not being you know confined in her body controlled in her body by this demon Mm. that makes sense yeah and i guess that's sort of a reveal towards the end uh, because maybe unlike and I'm forget like you know it's been a long time since I've seen a movie like the possession the, the exorcism of Emily Rose or anything like that um but at least comparing it to a film like the exorcist we're never really in we're not really in the point of view of that little girl we're more in the point of view from the um the men uh the priests trying to fix her whereas in this it's all from her point of view and her is an unreliable protagonist's point of view i suppose you know we, we we keep having this thing where like she is um we're with her when we're having we're experiencing her nightmares when we're experiencing um 
you know, her seeing the sinister shadow go across the wall when when she sees the demon mm-hmm. strangling her little sister. That's all from her point of view, not from her siblings. And, and then they literally contradict everything that she's seen. Like the, the kids, which is quite interesting, you know, kids in, trope, in terms of tropes, they used to be able to, we're, we're familiar with them being able to see demons, but even the children can't see the demons. I don't think they ever do see the demon, or at least it's not confirmed. It's all her until, you know, right at the end where like the police officer walks in and sees her, um, you know, floating in the air. Um, but yeah, up until that moment, it's like, it is very questionable whether, um, you know, is it ever really there? Cause she, so the reveal I was getting at was that, um, she has this big thing that, oh, it's not, it's not the demon. It's me who's been doing this the whole time. So that, that was kind of, um, you know, cause she mm-hmm. sees herself in the mirror and it's mm-hmm. not actually her reflection, um, and then she thinks back to like when she was strangling her sibling it was actually mm-hmm. her who was doing, you know, all these little things. So it, it, it's just about a matter of perspective and like, you know, if yes. it was, you know, and that's the kind of question mark, I guess. Does it work for you? Like, does it change the film on rewatch thinking about it as her being possessed and, but actually like feeling like she's not like not noticing that she's possessed? that's a really good question and maybe that's perhaps why I found the film less um frightening a second time round um because where even though it's not but we know that maybe it's um her doing it rather than a demon although I don't know the film I think the film does come down pretty strong that it is like a a demon (laughs) that ultimately kills her like um but yeah, I mean, yeah, it does it? I think it does lessen the scares a bit when you know that's what's happening. It is really interesting. This is like she's just not in control of even her reality, mm-hmm. even to the extent where like she can't trust her own senses. Like we already knew she wasn't in control, and she was trapped by her personal situation. And mm-hmm. now it's even more um, heightened. I don't know what was what was your take on it all. Well, I, I to be honest, I'd completely forgotten about the the sort of the twist of it so it was kind of interesting um thinking about it again kind of in hindsight being like Mm -hmm. oh wait no it is potentially her but that just kind of um the earlier question and the kind of the the how this is a possession film and a teen horror film makes it a lot more interesting because she's possessed throughout the entire film and we simply do not know that or you know Mm -hmm. we don't know that until the ending and it kind of makes it sadder because mm-hmm. it is sort of that that benign neglect <laughs> is manifesting itself in her actually harming the people that she cares about the most. Yeah, because there was this, um, oh, there was that. I, I feel like this. I mean, this never like explicitly said, but I guess you could argue the the transgression. There's always, you know, there's always like a literal transgression that lets the demon in. Like, mm-hmm. sure, shouldn't have done a Ouija board. You didn't follow the rules on the Ouija board. You mm-hmm. didn't say goodbye, etc. But then, like, there's there's also tends to be if it's a, if it's a good film, at least um, there'll always be a sort of metaphorical or um, s- subtextual reason. Um, and for me, I mean, in, in this story, it's because you know, in her dreams where she imagines her siblings feasting on her flesh, mm. um, you know, and then we keep having these little moments where 
like when she leaves her brother in the bath with the hot water um, faucet like running on on high um or did she you know and then like right at the end when she goes back to rescue her little brother um she's kind of clutching that shard of glass and there is there was a part of me who's like is that for the demon or is that for like is she going to like I don't know, hurt her brother. Like in, like I, I was worried. I was, I was worried for her brother's safety from her more than from the demon at that point. Um, yeah, I think so yeah. that. I think that's a, like the the interesting gray line that it's tiptoeing around because at mm. this point, like you don't know whether she she's the source of the of the danger for the kids or whether mm. she's also one of the victims mm. of the of the demon and i think it's kind of both both yeah yeah and and i wanted to ask you kind of what do you think of the ending and the ambiguity of it all like is she is she making is she sacrificing herself to protect her family or is she um just being killed by the demon the ending confused me um because I felt like I had a handle on what this was about. But then, so yeah, the reading the events is what happened, literally. So she she sees herself in the mirror. She realizes, it, oh, it's me. I'm the demon. She gets this shard of glass and she tries to cut her throat. Um, and it was a bit amb- ambiguous what actually happened. But I've, I've like had to, re- I, I read online <laughs> like what actually, um, apparently she tries to cut her throat, but the demon stops her. Mm-hmm. Um and but then in the next moment the demon puts its sort of like shadowy hand down her throat yes ew mm-hmm. and i was like so what is that so is it like that's a proper possession like moment but what is it, what is it actually trying to do there is it trying to possess her even though i think it already has or is it trying to kill her is it trying to steal her i wasn't sure what what the demon was trying to do especially because she then dies a little like 10 minutes later when she's in the ambulance. So mm-hmm. I was like, why did you try to stop her from slitting her throat if you were going to kill her? I was just a bit, maybe I've misinterpreted something, but I found, and maybe it's because demons ain't got no agenda. They're just dickheads. I don't know. But I felt that was, that was something about that series of events confused me a little bit. Did you have a different take on it? Well, I kind of, um, I kind of thought that the demon was trying to kill, um, was trying to kill her, but perhaps there's an additional like demonic layer to it. Like it was trying to kill her, but also to take her soul, mm. something like that. So it had to do that instead of just letting her commit suicide. And, and ultimately she dies, um, sort of not by, I guess, you know, out of just exhaustion. So not by her hand, not really by the demon's hand. Um, but. I I also quite like the interpretation that she is sacrificing herself, but that she kind of needs to sacrifice herself to the demon. She cannot just die. She needs to die by the demon's hand. And I, the mythology is never explained in this, and mm-hmm. I quite like that. I don't need an over-explanation of the mythology or the rules of this particular demon. Yeah. Um, emotionally, it feels to me like a sacrifice. And within the character of Veronica, I think the the theory or the reading of the she's sacrificing herself she's essentially um choosing to die to protect her her siblings and her family is the one but even then she's not allowed to do it like she's not allowed to um oh gosh that makes it even that interpretation makes it even more tragic it's i like know she, right 
yeah, she might have wanted to like, I'm going to do the good thing and sacrifice myself in the ultimate way to protect everybody. But then the demon is like, nope, you're going to still die, but not under your own, <laughs> not in the way that you would want. Um, it's very horrible. Like she can't even, she still has no control over anything in her life or, or her death at this moment. Not even her death. Yeah. It's very sad. See, this is why it's a tragedy. It really, really is. And I do love a bit of tragic horror, to be honest. I'd never yeah. thought of Veronica as a tragic horror. Yeah, I mean, like, this is the thing. I always do this bullshitty thing. They're like, oh, like, um, paranormal activity, the real demon is toxic masculinity. Or, or I don't know, like, you know, like, it's like no, it's actually a, a demon. Um, but with, with but with this, like, it really does feel like, gosh, the real, the, the real what really killed her is, is a, I think is a fair and legitimate question. Like, is it her, um, having like some kind of nervous breakdown because no one will look after her? Is it because she's developed some kind of neurological stress, um, disorder? Um, or is it because it's a demon? You know, I think, I think. Or is <laughs> it neglect? Is neglect. it just being neglected? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like even their house is sort of, I don't know if it was mold or, or, burn marks on those mattresses but it just I, felt like everything was dis disintegrating yeah i read it as burn marks but sort oh. of the really gro gross like oh these are sort of like almost like wounds in a way yeah yeah they did but like i think i i got it in my head that it was mold because the the downstore the down the downstairs neighbor mm -hmm. said that there was like a mold stain i think on the ceiling mm. so that's why i was like oh is it like coming oh, through yes. from the mattress or something <gasps> okay so let me ask you this because the other interesting thing well it's, it's not that interesting i think it's interesting to me <laughs> um because it's a spanish film and it's set in madrid um how did that fact that it's sort of like an international um, horror that plays around with with these sort of tropes of teen and possession horror, um, how does that work for for the atmosphere of Veronica for you? Because these like houses and stuff and uh, look very and feel very different from what we're used to seeing in these types of films. That's a really interesting question. Um, I think generally, like horror films that are subtitled frighten me more than um you know english speaking films and i don't mm -hmm. know whether that's just an extra layer of um uncanny or something strange like subliminally is going on um i mean i, I do i really did want to ask you because you obviously speak spanish so like, yeah what was you know how, how did you um interpret this but i think the only thing that really stood out to me as um unusual was mm -hmm. the geography of the flat mm -hmm. you know when she can look out the window and see across from her like the bedroom with the kids yeah. in it and that yeah. that was like hang on a second like what like how big is this flat like why why you know is this just a normal thing in spain uh, that's that a, threw me that's a really madrid thing uh right. yeah so i so i I grew up in Barcelona, but I lived in Madrid for years. Mm. And what's really interesting, I'm going to bring in like Paco Plaza's next film, uh, The Grandmother, uh, La Abuela, which also played LFF last year. Um, and it's, it also is very much set in one old apartment. Right. And like, I noticed it, um, maybe because I haven't been to Spain in a while, but I did, they feel just so much more claustrophobic 
to me, maybe because I've been in a lot of those places. I've lived in those flats, like the big, very heavy doors, the weird geography, and the fact that you can sort of see the uh, the inside of your own flat. It's because of the way that those um, some of those buildings are structured. They've got like a big, in very slim interior patio on in the inside, which just means that all the flats can sometimes like see each other. So you sometimes don't have like windows that look up onto the street they have windows that only look into the interior patio so they don't have oh. get a lot of light and you can basically like see either your neighbors or your own windows depending on how big the flat is from different windows okay which, right. which is really recognizable to me but like really strange for someone who's not been inside those spaces yeah it was like a moment because they they take quite a while establishing that she can see her neighbors um, yeah and then so i was really confused at that moment i was like well hang on is that happening in her neighbor's flat like when she sees the red light red light going off was, um yeah i can imagine that must be quite um just yeah the the, the architecture of that flat being able to like literally look in on yourself mm -hmm. um, definitely adds this sort of uncanny for me as someone who's not familiar with that at all yeah that really and the fact that they're also like so busy like the furniture is really heavy really bulky mm. there's so much stuff around mm. you know all of these like pictures like these crosses on the walls and stuff that's very that's not unusual mm. um in kind of you know traditional spanish houses and stuff so but it just adds to this element of like oh it's really stuffy there's so it's so claustrophobic in that sense and i i mean maybe it's like part um memory related or nostalgia related but i they really work for me because i just i always felt creeped out by those old madrid apartments Oh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I, mean, I can imagine why that would definitely happen. I think I, I just took it as like, oh gosh, um, it's, she's living in chaos um, and no one's really there to kind of sort out the chaos. But um, yeah, I didn't realize that was as, as normal um, rather than just, um, just her life. And well, I sent you this article as well, and I kind of don't remember this at all, but I remember when I was looking into it again, this film got super well-received. Mm. Um, it was like 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. The NME called it the scariest film ever, which I think your own film host topped a few years later. Hey, <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> but um, do you think it is scary? Like, even as we've chatted for almost an hour, do you think the scary outweighs the tragic with Veronica? Uh, I think if I'd only watched it once, I would have definitely said like, no, this, this film, there's so many moments in it that just made my skin crawl. Um, you know, there's especially like the, like which ones? The, well, like the famous one where, um, I've, I've already mentioned the one where she's in bed and then like the, uh, cupboard creaks open and we've all been there as a kid it's a very relatable sort of like oh god there's something in my room and I don't know what it is and having the sort of figure in the corner of the room that is just watching you that kind of um real horror and then you know they're just those kind of classic uh tropes I guess we've seen in other things with like the reflect the reflection that she can't see of the demon in the, in the mm -hmm. dark tv screen and Right at the end, um, you know, I think every time, I mean, it did become less and less scary the more we saw the demon, like, but there was that horrible moment at the end where he's just like walking behind her along the corridor that was just like, nope, mm -hmm. nope, <laughs> don't, mm -hmm. you know, um, definitely 
it's definitely scary but like for me this this film does become more of a tragedy on a second watch than um quite as as effective a horror film and before we wrap up Gemma um we sort of again kind of briefly circled around this and maybe it's not as relevant for non-spanish audiences but the whole based on real events thing which we see through the title cards, the end cards, and then with the policemen who just appear and watch Veronica die, basically. <laughs> uh, they're, very, they're very useful. They just come to watch. Yeah. Do you think it, it adds to the film or do you think it takes away from it? The fact that it's based on a real story. Um, that was, for me, the thing that made... Uh, you know, that's a good point. I think that was one of the things that made this film really frightening for me. Um, uh-huh. When I first saw it, especially um, the fact that this, not even in a not in a fake way, in the way that Blair Witch claims to be based on a real story or uh, Cloverfield or you know whatever, um, this is actually genuinely based on a real story. So everything you're watching, even though you know you imagine that there's lots of artistic license being taken, and that really unnerved me because it was like, well, uh, could this you know, could this, could this be true? And it's always that kind of like that sort of niggling question in the back of your mind, even though as an adult, you're like, no, no, of course not. This is, mm-hmm. you know, um, I find that, I found that really effective. Um, I mean, was this a story that you were familiar about before? Cause I'd well, never heard of this story. It's one of those where I've probably heard it, but it didn't spring to mind. Like I couldn't, um, put two and two together. So mm. like it's loosely based, um, on the case of Estefania Gutierrez Lázaro, who was like 1991, um, set in Vallecas, which is a, like a working class suburb of Madrid. Um, and it's like very famous because of like they mentioned in the, uh, in the end credits, there was so many eyewitnesses to it. And it was put the details of sort of Estefania's death. Uh, were put in an official police report and it was sort of had this uh, great official category categorization called situation of mystery which I kind of really love it's it's like I mean the Spanish formalities are when they're translated are just chef's kiss but oh. I I wasn't super aware of this case in particular I'm aware of some like really gruesome true crime cases in Spanish history but right. they're mostly like contained to Spanish film adaptations if anything mm-hmm. and they're usually like you know then very controversial because um people don't want to remember or don't want to think about the fact that their own country has really dodgy history or really dodgy murders or true crime situations that's we tend to just be like no that's an American thing that's mm-hmm. you know that's in America and we see the movies and then it never happens nearby. Um, to be honest, it didn't really do anything for me. I think that's more perhaps for a local audience that might do something for them or just the, there is an added bonus that always comes with, oh, it's based on, it's based on real events. I'm like, okay, what does that mean? Am I, I'm going to have to fact check this because I really don't want homework. <laughs> but I also know that Paco Plaza like was very loose. He was like, it's just the premise. I don't think it has necessarily too much intention of being a strict adaptation of mm-hmm. what ha- what could possibly have happened to Estefania. It's more like, this is a really cool premise for a horror movie. Let's expand on this and mm-hmm. fill it in and build a character out of this, essentially the ending. So they know the ending and then it kind of worked backwards from there and that that works it works for me as a f- piece of fiction that i think kind of owes 
a debt to a real case. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Um, so like the whole, um, it based being based on a true story didn't necessarily make you feel more frightened. Not really because, because of all of that, like I take it always with such a grain of salt, like unless you were act, the filmmakers are actively trying to be rigorous with the truth. Mm. It just does. It's just a premise. All I think about is like, you took a good idea and you expand it on and you build something out of it and that's it you don't yeah. you don't owe me facts you owe me a story fair enough i think um i used you know in my, in my time i've been uh, i like to think of myself as a skeptic and i think mm-hmm. that was the thing that um made it more compelling was the fact that there it was in the police report and i don't know how often that happens um but that i found that evidence very convincing so um that's you know that's i think that's probably why it got under my skin more than something like um i don't know what what's a what's a relatable film like maybe the amateurville horror um oh yeah but also that's so interesting right because the amateurville the whole amateurville film was a hoax yeah was it okay now now i'm being silly no it is oh i'll send you some links Gemma. okay yeah (laughs) So it was a big hoax. None of that was real. Oh, yeah. no. Oh, god! But the movies are kind of great, aren't they? Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I was like, I was like ooh, ooh, this is real. But th- that was the thing. Because it's America, I took it with a pinch of salt. But maybe I gave it more respect because it was Spanish. I was like, well, they wouldn't lie. <laughs> I don't know what oh that means. Oh, my God. The Spanish would not lie. <laughs> what is this racial stereotype? <laughs> that's so funny. Oh my god! It's all coming I out love now. This. It's like if, because it's a European film, it has it has it's more, got more credibility. Yeah, it's more credible. It's got more gravitas, <laughs> even with possessions. Even the possessions are are grittier when it's a European horror film. <laughs> oh my gosh! There we go. That's that's where it's come from. We've got to the the subconscious <laughs> truth there. Oh my god! Oh. <laughs> That just kills me. I've been giggling now. Um, um, but Gemma, before we wrap up on Veronica, um, is there anything that you wanted to mention about the film that we haven't covered or discussed? Oh, gosh. Um, I think the only... About the film, I think we've really covered, covered it all. The one thing I was going to say was, even though I said that this movie didn't scare me on the second watching, I coincidentally or not decided halfway through re-watching this film to turn my uh, whole desk sideways so that the back of the room with the door wasn't behind me anymore oh my god <laughs> <laughs> i'm literally just sitting in this like sideways room with like the desk in the middle of the room because i just got it's like oh i can't handle the idea that there could be a ghost behind me Shakus, Gemma. pathetic pathetic it wasn't scary on second watch, was no. it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's all coming out. Well, I, I think we can we can ascertain if we're going to do some stereotypes. The English are liars. <laughs> that's what we've that's what we've discovered here. Oh my god, I love it! On the on the day after the Queen's birthday, Gemma. <laughs> liars. All of them. I'm not scared. Oh my god. What a gr- I think this is a great way to end yeah. what is actually a really Shame. sad teen possession movie. 
On shame and lies, Gemma Hurley. Yeah. <laughs> nice. uh, Gemma Hurley with shame and lies. <laughs> there we go. Well, you're welcome. Um, Gemma, thank you so much for uh, for your time and for your insight and your lies. <laughs> anytime, anytime, Anna. So for people who aren't following you already, where can they find more of your work online? Uh, you can find me on social media at Gem Gem Hurley. Um, that's probably a good place to start. Amazing. Thank you so much again. Thank you, Anna. Oh my god. Oh. <laughs> that just fills <laughs> just me. I've been giggling now. Um, um, but Gemma, before we wrap up on Veronica, um, is there anything that you wanted to mention about the film that we haven't covered or discussed? Oh gosh. Um, I think the only... About the film, I think we've really covered covered it all. The one thing I was going to say was, even though I said that this movie didn't scare me on the second watching, I coincidentally or not decided halfway through rewatching this film to turn my uh, whole desk sideways so that the back of the room with the door wasn't behind me anymore. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I'm literally just sitting in this like sideways room with like the desk in the middle of the room because I just got like, oh, I can't handle the idea that there could be a ghost behind me. <laughs> Jacuzzi, Gemma. Pathetic. Pathetic. It wasn't scary on second watch, was no. it? Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's all coming out. Well, I, I think we can, we can ascertain if we're going to do some stereotypes. The English are liars. <laughs> that's, what we've, that's what we've discovered here. Oh my God, I love it. On the, on the day after the Queen's birthday, Gemma. <laughs> liars. All of them. I'm not scared. <laughs> oh my god what a gr- i think this is a w- great way to end yeah. what is actually a really shame. sad teen possession movie <laughs> on shame and lies Gemma hurley yeah. <laughs> nice. uh, it's Gemma hurley with shame and lies <laughs> there we go well, you're welcome. Um, Gemma, thank you so much for uh for your time and for your insight and your lies <laughs> anytime anytime Anna. so for people who aren't following you already where can they find more of your work online uh you can find me on social media at gem gem hurley um, that's probably a good place to start amazing thank you so much again thank you anna